everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is your Maxis Tyres post-race show for the penultimate round of the 2022 Downhill World Cup in Monson Anne. Maxis have got an incredible history with racing and are the tyre brand that comes to mind when you think about performance. So it's no surprise then that Maxis have won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup downhill and EWS racing. Whatever your needs, whether it's racing, riding, whatever you're up to, Maxis have got you covered with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I spent a lot of this year using the Asagai 2.5 Max Grip with their new XO Plus casing up front, combined with the DHR Double Down Max Terra on the back. It's a really popular combo for good reason. I find that it gives insane grip in the turns, but provides really awesome braking traction too, so you can scrub off that speed when you really need to. Maxis are giving away some awesome merch bundles throughout the season. If you want to get your hands on one, then you need to share this podcast episode on your Instagram and tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Maxis Bike, and we'll choose a lucky winner for each round. You can check out the entire range of Maxis tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxis dealer. You can also give them a follow over on Instagram while they're at Maxis Bike. All right, Monson and 2022 delivered some incredible action with nail-biting racing across all the categories. There were some crazy performances, some overalls taken and some opportunities lost. We'll be covering all that and more. So without further ado, here's Elliot and Nico. All right, everyone, welcome to the Monson and post-race show. Uh, yet again, an incredible race, nail-biting to the very end. Uh, some insane performances, lots to talk about. As ever, joined by Elliot Jackson and Nico Mullally. Um, Elliot, we'll go to you first. I didn't realise until the very end, but that was your last ever World Cup race commentary, or at least for a wee while anyway, right? How was that? Yeah, totally. It was, uh, yeah, it was a trip. I think that this whole week was kind of up, I, up until this week, I didn't really think about it too much. I was like, yeah, you know, it's my last one, but that's okay. Kind of a lot of other stuff that I would, that, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to doing with the time that I might spend here. Uh, but this race was just too much. Like <laughs> it was such a, it's, it was such a trip because like the last time I was here, I was racing. Um, like my best result was here. I love the track, just like walking it. It looked insane the whole week. And then you had Finn and you had like all of this stuff go down that was just super, super emotional. So like at the end of the commentary, I was like choked up for Finn. And then I was like choked up that it was my last one. And I was sitting there at the post show and this like song came on. It's like one of those moments where it's like a bunch of fans. This song came on. It was like the perfect moment. Uh, and I... It was actually funny. Uh, Sarah, uh, Greg's fiance, was she sent me a voice note, and I had asked on the live or like as the graphics were playing, like, "Hey, can I say that it's my last one?" And the the producer was like, "Oh, you're doing world champs," and I was like, "Oh, sure, sure." And I guess the volume was turned on on the mic, and and so like she sent me a voice note of it, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's funny." And then Rob actually ended up saying something about it that I was like super unprepared like didn't have the words and kind of just kind of stumbled through it but uh yeah it was it was uh it was a trip and um it was so cool like i never thought that i would be doing it and i hope uh yeah i hope people liked what i brought and it was uh cool to have kind of a, like a night to celebrate finn and also um yeah like kind of my last my last one yeah crazy man yeah it was awesome it's been great to have you as a part of it and uh 
yeah, a shame that that's not continuing. Nico, let's turn to you. I mean, let's start off with the track, right? This this place always delivers. It's always a track that looks incredible, seems to be a bit of a rider's favourite. But some fairly significant changes this year seem to kind of change a bit of the the flow of the place maybe. Um, but super popular with everyone from what I understand. Take us through it from your perspective. Yeah, before I say about the track, I just want to say how cool it was that Elliot did all this broadcasting work it's uh it's definitely a job you do for the passion it's not like uh sometimes sometimes it's thankless work and sometimes you um you can't please everyone but he did such an awesome job with it he brought such a good energy to the broadcast and i think got a lot of new fans into it and and made the fans we do have the core ones so stoked and it's it's not often that people can like end on a high note like that and sometimes you you don't want to take that for granted it's it's so cool that elliot was able to go out kind of on top on a great show like <laughs> that like probably one of the most exciting races down to the wire that you ever watched so um yeah so so cool that elliot what he's doing and um also looking forward to the future for him for sure uh, but uh but yeah to get into the track it was um like this track is my favorite track the whole venue like there's tons of space here um the lift is so good the track is long and super technical and super rough. It's just, there's stuff to separate people the entire way down and, and kind of testing every skill. There's some, there's not as many steep sections, but you've got some steep sections where the track's losing elevation pretty quick. It's probably the roughest one as far as rocks go. And it's got a variety of slow, technical, really awkward stuff. And then the fastest stuff on the circuit. So um, this year they took out one of the really high speed ski slope sections, um, the spot where you used to see like the, the 80k an hour speed trap, which is, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of classic Mount St. Anne that that fast section has been in there for so long, but there is still so much fast stuff under the gondola and other sections of the track. Um, so kind of replacing that with a really tight, almost an enduro feeling trail was uh some riders didn't like it. Like Bruni said, he thought that wasn't Mount St. Anne, but a lot of riders I think enjoyed the slower technical section where you could separate yourself from other guys more without as much risk. Mm -hmm. And it was more, it, maybe on TV, it didn't quite look as good um, as that high speed stuff or as cool, but as a rider, like that's stuff that you can separate yourself with strategy and technique more than just uh, laying off the brakes. So I think it was, in general, a favorite of the riders. Um, and then the conditions were kind of perfect through the weekend. It started out rainy on the first day of practice, which the dirt here is a little bit more sand to it, like some more grit than um, snowshoe, especially coming from last weekend. That clay over the rocks was so slippery. And here you could still ride it, even though it was raining. It was definitely um, greasy in a few spots. There was a couple of areas that were definitely hard to get through when it was wet, but it made so that the dirt would be kind of perfect on race day. Like for quality, it was really getting there to be perfect. And then on, uh, on Saturday, the dirt was awesome. So it was kind of like they prepped the track really wet in the morning so that it's good in the afternoon sort of deal. But, um, yeah, the, I thought it was a good racetrack and you saw how big the gaps were. Like a lot of tracks these days are shorter and they're less to separate people. 
And then you come here and they, they say Mount Sinan's a man's track where it's the biggest, roughest, fastest track. And you can see that in the, in the separation between, between the times. Yeah, for sure. And the track hadn't been ridden in a while. Did that make much difference to things? Did, did the track have to kind of bed back in again or were there like mossy rocks or anything? Or was it kind of good from the get-go? Well, they did a really good job of prepping the track. I think having not being ridden for a couple of years and all the weather, it, it kind of was destroyed. Some of the locals say that like you can't ride the World Cup track unless it's the couple of weeks after the race because they don't maintain it. Nobody wants to ride it. It's so brutal. So it ends up to where they prep the track for the race every year and then it gets washed out anyway. So the first day of practice or, or on track walk, the, all the berms and everything were like really well made. Like the worlds, I remember them being pretty rutted where you had a couple lines in a lot of those man-made berms, but this week they fixed them really nicely. So like they started out in pretty good shape, like the whole track, I think maybe just having so much time off, it forced them to redo most of it. And then, um, with some rain, it cut in and got rough. And I thought it was like kind of the perfect balance of getting rough, but still being fast and technical. Nice. Nice. Elliot, talk to us about line choice. Cause it's often hard to see. I mean, there's some sections where there was an obvious couple of options like that Ledao rock section, but that it feels like there was more going on on the track as well. That was maybe a little more subtle. Was there a lot of puzzling going on throughout the week? Um, <clears throat> I think in that new section, there was a little bit in the first day of practice, kind of people figuring it out. There was one little bit, like right as you saw people come onto camera, there was kind of a optional, you could go outside or inside and there's inside was over off camber. And it took a little bit for that to bed in. I think we kind of saw that same thing at Linzheide. So the inside, after you kind of jumped off that bridge, like Petey's plank, went inside there it took a little bit for that line to bed in and then once it did a lot of people were on it um but otherwise i always think this track is like it is a little bit wider um and so maybe the line or like the main line is a is pretty small but you can it gives you a little bit of room to either make a mistake or like go slightly left or right uh that speed trap, there was a bunch of braking bumps there. And I think we saw people kind of trying to get outside of them. Some people were going through them and getting flats. Um, some people were kind of going to the left of them. So it was kind of stuff like that where as the track got really, really rough and the holes were there, you could kind of weave your way around uh, the bumps and and kind of make the track your own a little bit. So maybe not so much like explicit line choice, but I think here is one of those places where you don't hear a lot of people saying like, ah, it's just one line, like complaining about it being one line because it's, uh, yeah, it's, there's so much to it. Yeah. Room to maneuver. Nico, what about the bike here, right? There's, uh, some super fast stuff, some relatively comparatively slow stuff, lots of rocks, lots of big compressions, some big hucks. How are you getting set up for something like this? Cause you've also got, I guess, to some extent to deal with the length and the physicality of the track, right? Yeah, it, it's definitely probably one of the longer distances. I don't know how it compares to Fort William, but um, similar to that in, in in distance, which is pretty physical by the time you get to the bottom. Um, for setup, I've, I, it was t- tough this week because the first practice, it was so slippery 
that uh, not so slippery like snowshoe, but there was some sections where you were definitely looking for grip. So the speed went up a lot for even between the practice on the morning of quali and quali run. And then as much as it dried out on the race day, guys were going so much quicker. So you were kind of the first couple runs not wanting to go as stiff as you needed to and then had to give the bike more support as as the weekend kind of as the track developed and the track dried out. Um, I was a little bit stiffer on my fork. I went a little bit more um, compression in my shock. I didn't go up a spring rate, but um, just added some hydraulic support there. And then, um, yeah, kind of tire pressures changing through the weekend, started out trying to get grip with a little bit lower pressure. And then um, by the time quality came around, um, unfortunately I had a flat, but I, I did everything I knew how to try to prevent it. I went 31 PSI in the back with an insert. And um, I think a lot of guys were kind of on the same, on the same setup where they're making it maybe a little bit stiffer than they wanted to. Um, as far as tire pressure to try to avoid any issues. But I was talking with some of the engineers after the race too. And it's like, yeah, you can go a reasonable amount more pressure in your tire or try to do something to prevent it. But if you hit something that's 50% more force than the wheel can take, then what can you do? And the track just being so fast and so many, so much bedrock, that's kind of perpendicular at a square edge to the track. It's like the perfect recipe. And it's kind of hard to see that at the speed you're going. And of course, you know, some, some that you need to avoid, but, um, I, I think more than any track, like this one's really hard on the bikes and you see a lot of people with issues through the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Go on, Elliot. I, uh, yeah, it was interesting kind of to see that what Nico was talking about, because I think a lot of people overshot on the stiff side was talking to Cammy and she was like, yeah, I, I went down the track and I was like way too soft. And so I like went stiffer and then I had to go back. Uh, and it was kind of like the same for, for Laurie. I think he was, I think after qualifying, maybe he, uh, he was saying like, oh, I need more, need more support in the back. But then like, you know, I'm getting a ton of vibration in my hands. And so I think finding that balance to where you could push, you could, you could still hold on to your bike as well. And then you had like kind of the, the support that you needed. Um, but yeah, I've never, I haven't seen that many flats in a really long time. Like just standing there, even the morning of finals, it was like seven, eight flats coming down just in those couple runs. And, uh, there's kind of no way around it. I think, you know, like you're going through stuff like that big rock garden there's rocks that are like jagged edges that are pointed straight at you and you have no choice but to just hit them as fast as you can. You can't, you can't really, you can't try to avoid flats or you can't think about it when you're riding or anything like that. So it's one of those kind of roll the dice. Hopefully you don't get a flat, but there's not kind of not really much you can do to prevent it once you're on the track. Yeah, yeah, and definitely a physical track. We saw a number of riders kind of taking hands off the bar and giving them a shake halfway down or kind of trying to grip the seat a little bit on some of that open stuff to rest the legs up a bit. Like, how, how does it feel, Nike, towards the bottom of that track for you in particular? Do you, do you really feel that physicality there? I always feel like the steeper tracks are more physical for me, like Val de Sol 
at the last section is is like I don't know, just the you're like holding yourself up with your upper body more. Where like personally, the flatter tracks, I feel like I don't get as as fatigued on. Um, but yeah, it's a long track. You cover cover a lot of ground. Like even regardless of the time, like it's a over four minute track, which is pretty long. But you cover so much ground on it too, and it's like those compressions all add up. And um, yeah, by the bottom, you're definitely pretty smoked, and that's a crucial spot where you have to really nail that that last rock garden and then um carry speed like the final split like it's flat down there and it's the entrances and like nailing the kind of backsides that you're trying to pump off of that carry you across those flats so if you're in a i guess a clear enough headspace that you can really nail that stuff at the end it, it adds up to being big big enough time to make a few spots so I guess that's the difference. Like Fort William, maybe you just, you, you know, you get to the bottom and you sprint the motorway and try to scrub the jumps and get good backside. But here it's like, there's some pretty technical natural stuff at the end that you still really need to nail to get, get the last little bit out of the track. Yeah, fair enough. And we saw some, uh, some, some, si- we saw some significant absences from the racing this weekend. First off, Danny Hart flew home to be with his family and their, their newborn baby. So, uh, a lot of love to those guys, wishing them all the best. Um, someone that we lost relatively early in the weekend was Cammy to a, a broken collarbone, which is a, a big uh, piece of news in the grand scheme of things with the overall. She had a, a pretty solid lead there um, and a, I guess a sort of innocuous crash trying a new line. Looked like a front wheel slid on a rock and sent her down. Uh, Elliot, sounds like she's kind of fairly hopeful, though, to get into surgery, flying home Monday, getting in surgery even talking about maybe trying to race Leger as a comeback race if she feels kind of pain-free enough to go do that and trying to trying to keep that overall and uh, and get on the racetrack at uh, at the final round that's pretty incredible hey like the mindset and the strength there to to be feeling that way straight away yeah i think this was one of her first injuries if not her first big injury like first broken bone i think tracy said um and yeah, I have no, I have no idea what she's going to do or how she's thinking or anything like that. But just, uh, I did, I did hear like, you know, you can't get surgery. I know Rob was talking about how when, uh, he knew some, uh, motocross dude who, uh, yeah, got it plated and then ended up racing like that weekend. Cause I don't think the break needed surgery in general, uh-huh. but like if she were to get surgery, then she could come back sooner. Uh, and it's so, I don't know. It, I think it's such a hard one as a rider because especially where she's at, you know, you kind of maybe would feel like I don't want to push it. You know, I'll, I'll be in this position again kind of thing, but you actually never know, you know, this could be the only time that she is in the running for the overall and trying to get back for Val de Sole and, and, and just get a couple of points uh would be i don't know i i've never been in that position but i feel like you would kind of like have to go for it um but yeah it's a it's a hard one and like to ride you know two weeks i guess after three weeks after a broken collarbone is is no joke yeah Interesting. Well, we'll see how she gets on. Wish her all the best for a speedy recovery from surgery. And then two other big names that 
were out with shoulder issues. Uh, Loic dislocated his shoulder, pop, put it back in himself and carried on riding from what I understand, but um, was in too much pain to, to race, which is fair enough. And then Loris Vergier also with uh, with an injured shoulder. Nico, shame to not see those two guys lining up, but I'm guessing they'll be doing everything they can to be ready to go for it uh, in uh, world champs on home soil in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I guess that was probably part of the reason why they didn't race. It didn't seem like maybe such a black and white injury where they couldn't ride at all. They were just trying to minimize risk at this point. I think um, I, I rode the lift with Loic after he had already popped his shoulder out. He said he had a flat and crashed with a flat tire and like a silly section and his shoulder came out. So um, I don't, and then he went and did a couple more runs. He looked solid, but I kind of said to him, like, why, you know, you miss so many races already. Why don't you just chill and try to be be really good for world champs and i guess that was probably kind of the mindset there hopefully for both of them um but yeah it's not a good time <laughs> coming up on like a the french leger world champs that i'm sure those guys are they, they want to seize that moment it's not many chances they get that so hopefully it comes around it's not much time but hopefully it comes around for them fingers crossed got it yeah i uh it does feel like every all the French riders, maybe, maybe beside Thibaut, it's like not at a hundred percent. Where Emery had had his crash, uh, and obviously won he won snowshoe, but yeah, it doesn't seem like he's kind of really like in peak peak condition mindset, whatever. Yeah, and then Loic and Loris, but it is actually insane how many riders are out. Like was talking to the Trek team manager Ryan, and he was like, "Yeah, this is like my worst nightmare. Like, got four elite men, and all of them are out. We have like Reese, Charlie, Cade, like, you know, all these dudes, and uh, and Loris, and uh, and then you had Danny out. You had um, you had Loic out. out. Yeah, like Matt Walker was out. Like all these people. So it was a bit of a when you start thinking about it, it's a bit of a strange one where a lot of the the people who would be fighting for those top spots were were uh, were not were not there. Did Connor Fearon pick up an injury as well? I saw he he didn't get to the bottom in uh, his quali run. I think. Does anyone know what happened? No, I I, I heard he had a big crash, but I didn't uh, I didn't I don't know what happened. Yeah. No, not seen any news on that. Hopefully he's okay. Well, let's uh, let's quickly touch on qualifying. I think the big story of qualifying was the the viral video that's uh, firing its way around Instagram, created by Nico Malali, of the uh, the final jump. Nico, not I'm sure how you wanted your quali run to end, but just talk us through it from your perspective. Yeah, I was, I guess, just sad at the end because uh, it was my favorite track and I. Uh, was feeling pretty good like before the race and everything I thought you know today's gonna be a good day and uh, I hit something in the top kind of fast uh, grassy section after the hit the berms at the top and then like right before the first split you're kind of tucked and um, yeah I hit something I went back I, I rode my trail bike up there after the race to like f- see what I hit and I couldn't find anything it was just must have been a freak thing in the grass um hit a hit a, some some rock and cracked my rim and then lost pressure pretty quick but I thought with an insert and um if, if I 
if I could kind of nurse it down and with the depleted field, like we just talked about, there would be a chance to, to make it through. So I kind of went into this mindset of like, okay, keep going and push, but also try not to destroy this wheel because then you're going to be out for sure. Like if I could have rode that wheel as hard as I wanted to, I think I could have made it in for sure, but I was trying to kind of nurse it down and also like try to keep the tire from going off the bead, but still ride fast enough to qualify. Which was, uh, it's a lot of maths in your head, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just, I guess, trying to go as fast as I can with being gentle. I think and, you, were, um, you were top 50 though, like for most of the run, I was looking at the splits. Yeah. And then, um, Kind of towards the end, I think the tire came off the bead, so it was like rubbing the frame and super slow at the end. So um, it was kind of inevitable. I made it further than I thought I would. And then, um, yeah, just coming into that last jump, I thought I, I never really looked at the go around either. So I didn't know like where to go. <laughs> and I was like, if I go around this jump, like for sure, I'm not going to make qualifying and it might be close still. So I'm just going to go for it. And I knew as soon as I hit the first one that I had no, not where, nowhere near enough speed, but I was too far in to, to back out at that point. So I just sent it and took, I like in the air, I was like, this is going to be bad, but I think I'm strong enough to take this <laughs> case. So kind of reminded myself of how I ride a motocross bike. <laughs> <laughs> so I just took it strong. And, um, obviously that broke the wheel, like the, riding a whole run on a flat tire and then, uh, landing like that on the back wheel was going to be not really much chance of that, uh, making it. So I, uh, I hopped off and ran it across the finish and I don't know, I put my best effort in, but in the end, it, like, even if I would have cleared that jump, I think I was eight seconds off. So it was just that flat stuff at the end with a flat tire that wasn't going to make it. Fair play, man. Yeah. That was a level I, of commitment uh, above and beyond the call of duty though. That's impressive. I uh, I had yeah. a flat tire exactly where you did one year in qualifying, actually. So I know your pain. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I knew some stuff to avoid. Like I had got a flat cracked a rim in practice and like saw what I hit, like stopped, like took a picture of it and knew like what stuff to avoid on the track. And like in there, I, I just didn't, I don't know. If I went back, I wouldn't change anything knowing what I did at the top. So I, I'm still disappointed, but I mean, I, I couldn't do anything different. So sometimes it's just bad luck. Fair play, man. How are the ankles? Cause it was quite a case coming in from that height. <laughs> oh, totally, totally fine. <laughs> my, uh, my back wheel took all the impact. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrificial. Good on it. It Good had like it. 20 inches of travel. Fair play, man. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the racing. We'll start with the with the juniors. Uh, an incredible win by Phoebe Gale. It's the win that she's sort of been threatening for a little while now that hasn't quite come together. Seven seconds uh, over Isabella Yankova in second, and then Gracie Hemstreet in third. Um, an incredible performance, but it, she's still second to Gracie um, in the overall. But potentially, I think can overhaul her at the final round of Aldersol if she wins and Gracie has a bad weekend. So that'd be um, an interesting battle to see play out. And it's just really good to have uh, some strong competition, I guess, in that category, Elliot, to get those those young women fired up and ready to make the leap up into the elite field. It'd be exciting. Yeah, totally. I think um, I get to talk to Phoebe a little bit uh, before her run and then after as well. And like before our our Red Bull video this week was on family and so i got to kind of talk to 
terror and, and chaos about like what it's like traveling on the team together and, and stuff like that. And she was, you know, it's, I think it's always interesting for juniors to make that jump to doing like a full world cup season, uh, especially in an environment like that where you have like super pro team and, and uh, all this stuff around you. So I, I feel like she's been kind of getting used to that over the, over the years and they or over the course of the year. And, um, and also just kind of like figuring things out because she, she has been one of those riders that will have this incredible run and then maybe have a mistake or a crash. Uh, so it, it is good seeing her kind of come into it uh, at the end and then talk to her about the run. And, and she said, like, yeah, it was, it was really good. Like no, no like real mistakes or anything like that. Uh, but I think, I know Gracie would have wanted to win here in Canada, but at the same time, like that is really special to to have a, a Canadian, uh, yeah, leading the overall. Definitely, definitely, and uh, a Canadian that did take the win is Jackson Goldston by a pretty commanding four seconds over Jordan. They're normally super, super close those two, um, and that hands the overall as far as I understand to Jackson it's, that's done he doesn't have to worry about that for the rest of the year which is a good position for him to be in I think Jordan kind of paid the penalty really for a rough weekend for him in snowshoe which which knocked him back in the points but yeah Nico an incredible performance by Jackson I, I was impressed just watching his helmet camera uh, that he did for Red Bull I think like how much that kid was able to chat his way down a track that long and that gnarly whilst going at that kind of pace it's, it's insane to watch eh? and I think that would have admittedly on a, a less blown out trap, but that would have put him in third, I think in elite. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially on a track like this, where I feel like having being bigger and stronger, it definitely helps you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected this to be the track where he would be doing so well, but man, when you watch him on the bike, he's just so talented and it's really impressive what he can do and he almost seems like an, an alien or something the way he can ride um and and with at such a young age like he's never raced this track before and to put down a time like that it's like man what's he gonna do in a couple of years i um i think first run i was like looking at one of the new sections and and uh stopped next to laurie and was like is this are we, are we doubling into this or are we gonna roll it like what, what do you think and he's like oh jackson jumped it and i was like that information does me no good because like, <laughs> Jackson jumped it doesn't mean I'm going to jump it. It's <laughs> insane, hey? And he had a he had a pretty fancy like custom bike, custom kit, custom helmet for the event as well. Like loads of gold thrown in, like a tribute to Stevie, which was was super nice to see. It that meant that win clearly meant a lot to him, eh, Elliot? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I uh, I talked to Troy afterward. Uh, and he was like, man, that guy, like Jackson beat me, <laughs> like what in the world? But yeah, he's, uh, he is like, I think he, it's been kind of a conversation last couple of races where it's like, what's Jackson's time compared to the elite times and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's always, it's always hard to compare, but at the same time, like, man, for him, for that to be the conversation, uh, is crazy. So he's he's doing some pretty special stuff on the bike right now. Yeah, and so yeah, it's not looking bad. That's for sure. Like it's hard to compare. Like at racing at different times, Andorra was probably better. Um, and then this week, you could argue like, yeah, it was still dry at the end. But um, like I talked to Aaron, and he said like some of the stuff was like getting kind of dry and right. blown out Worse. for race run. So early. it probably was a little yeah. more moist moisture early early on. So. Um, 
yeah, interesting to like see what he does when he actually is on the same track, but it creates a, a lot of conversation and definitely something to speculate about how, how fast he's going. Yeah. And impressive to to tie out the overall with a round to go when he's had such tough competition from Jordan as well. It's not like he's had an easy run, like someone's been pushing him the whole way. So yeah, super, super impressive and very excited to see those guys step up into elite next year. And, and nice to see what Jackson does with kind of no pressure at the last round as well. Be, uh, be interesting to watch him having fun on the bike there. Let's move on to the the women's racing. Um, let's talk about some of the some of the standout performances there. So Jess Blewett, yet again, uh, slotting herself onto the podium. She definitely seems to be putting these injuries behind her. She had that horrible femur break at uh, Snowshoe last year and then collarbone earlier this year. Uh, she's looking incredible on the bike, eh, Elliot? Yeah, she is. Like, she... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's crazy that she's able to... She hasn't been riding that long. Um, to come back from an injury like that is definitely no joke. And it feels like, uh, yeah, some things are kind of clicking. I think that GT team actually has really in the last couple of races kind of gotten on the ball. But, yeah, I did get to talk to her beginning of this week. And, yeah, she was in super good spirits and was just saying how that that race run in Snowshoe was was really, you know, good for her confidence and and then coming here to you know, never having been here, uh, this, this definitely is kind of like an experienced track. So I think that she'll, uh, yeah, she'll be one to watch like this year and, and next year and as things go forward. Yeah, definitely. And Eleonora Farina had a, another good run into third place. I mean, a track, she goes well at, at, uh, Val de Sol. We all know she's good there, kind of rocky, but relatively steep. This obviously not so steep, but she's, we know she's good through the rocks. She was a long way up at split two. Um, she had that kind of pretty serious bobble coming into the Ladao rocks. Nico, that's not a place you want to uh, have to start dabbing and getting a bit loose, eh? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's kind of hard in that section too. Like if you once you lose the momentum to get it going again, so uh, yeah, it was probably tough for her to get going. But um, nonetheless, cool to see uh, podium. Yeah, definitely, and that probably you know a second or so maybe in that little bobble that that could have seen her into, uh, into second place. So she's in a good place and she was riding a, a bike. I think, uh, Rob said that her videographer had put together cause a mechanic broke his kneecap during the week, Elliot. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened with her mechanic, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To have that, uh, to have that happen, you're, I'm sure you're stressed and then kind of everything is not just the, to me, the thing that's more kind of impressive is just like, the whole way that you build your world cup weekend is around the process that you and your mechanic have. So yeah, for him to be, I don't know if he was there and even if he was like probably a little bit out of commission kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, for her to kind of mentally get around that and then continue on and, and get a good result is insane. I feel like her, she's been one of those women who is, uh, kind of like trying to crack that code on that top, you know, couple, the top three, I guess, mm. like get into that bunch. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good to see. I don't think you see in the women's as much that huge gap where in years past you had, you know, two, three, four or five girls that were way up. And then there was another group maybe in the, 
you know, the tins. Um, and so now it feels like a little bit more of a, a linear thing where there's a lot of, a lot of women that can get in that top five and, and potentially challenge for, you know, top three or win. Yeah, definitely. Nina Hoffman again, like looks incredibly strong on the bike. Um, didn't seem to be phased by long, rough tracks. Um, she said she'd struggled during the week, right? She was really hunting for setup um, and wasn't wasn't kind of finding the flow on the track. I saw she crashed into Sven Martin, the photographer, uh, over that waterfall drop and gave Sven a pretty swollen elbow and uh, <laughs> snapped part of his camera off, I think. So it was, uh, it was a, a hard week for her, but incredible to put that performance and, and slot it into second. So she just shows that she's got a good team and a good setup there, I guess, and they're able to work together and, and work through the puzzle. Yeah, I I definitely, uh, she was, I think it was her birthday this week. And so they went go-karting. She, uh, like, there's like a waterfall, a cliff jump. And she was saying that she she jumped it. I don't know what happened. She was like, I was a bit sore for like a lot of the week. <laughs> so, yeah, she posted a picture with like a massive bruise on her leg, I think, from where she'd landed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like because I said that to her after the race, I was like, "Man, you you do well on these long, difficult tracks." And she's like, "Yeah, I don't know. Like, feels different than Fort William." Uh, but it wasn't really until race day that I kind of got everything together, like bike setup. I wasn't feeling as sore. Like, had some energy, and um, yeah. So interesting. Let's talk about Miriam Nicole Nico. I thought that was one of her most impressive looking race runs um, of the season, if not ever, like just looked super fast in control um, up by a huge margin in those top two splits. And then a pretty or potentially pretty horrible issue there where a tire blew off the rim on the fastest part of the track. It was looking good though, huh? Like the pace is there, especially coming into worlds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when she's on, obviously she has, great results. And I think she was looking at this opportunity with Cammy out injured to try to maximize points. I mean, she had to, right. She's second in the overall and, um, yeah, obviously she was going for it and I can relate. It's a bummer when that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, what can you do? She was putting herself in the right spot and then call it bad luck or whatever. It's just unfortunate circumstance for her. Yeah. Good to see her in, in one piece though. And, uh, and nursing the bike down the hill. And then let's talk about Valley hole. I mean, I, apparently she, I don't think would have necessarily wanted the information at the top of the hill that, that Pom Pom had had that problem, but I think she could tell by the body language of people around her that there was something happening. And, uh, so she did find out and knew that she could kind of maybe back off going super hard down and, and I guess Elliot that's a situation that Valley's quite familiar with from her junior career right she was often in a position where she knew she could get down with a I don't know 90 95% run and probably take the win that's familiar to her do you think that do you think that helped do you think that put her in a comfortable situation because it's also quite a hard thing to do a lot of riders will try and ride at less than 100% and have a problem because they're just not used to it yeah I think it was a when I talked to her after the race, she she was saying that her mechanic came up to her and was like, "Hey, like, do you want some information?" and and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, sure." And uh, she was saying that um, he was like, "Yeah, Miriam, Miriam got a flat." So she said that she did ride, you know, a little bit smarter, 
Uh, and I said to her, you know, do you feel like that's kind of a, I don't know, like a, a moment of your maturity to, to be able to not only make that decision, but actually execute on the decision? She was like, yeah, like it was, I felt really good about it, right? Like I, where I didn't have to push super, super hard um, or, you know, maybe not like take a bunch of risk and, and all of that. And, and even to be able to, I think as a rider, it's, it's so hard to not ride at a hundred percent. Like it's so hard to not overshoot it when you, when you try to back it off and go to like 80% or even 95%, like you're really playing with like half a percent, um, when you do something like that. So I think that that was definitely a big moment for her kind of mentally and as an athlete to be able to do that, um, uh, to back it off and, and play it a little bit safe and, and try to try to get another overall win at the end of the season, which would be insane. Yeah. And it's, it's looking potential for sure. For sure. So yeah, incredible racing all round. Let's move on to the men's. And first off, I just want to recognize the fact that the last time Brooke McDonough was in Monson and, uh, he left the the hill in a way no one wants to with some serious injuries threatening whether he'd be able to walk, let alone ride again. And here we are, that was 2019, 2022, and Brooks back at an insane pace. And that pace hasn't really showed in a race run this year. Like I think he's had issues and it hasn't quite come together, but this guy's hauling, right? He is fully back. So huge respect to Brooke for that. That's uh, that's pretty incredible to see and just shows the determination of that guy. Impressive stuff. Another another determined athlete, Amory Piron, basically needed to kind of cruise down the hill, get a top 25 and walk away with the overall and then go let it all hang out at World Champs in Leger. But that's not Amory, is it? <laughs> well, it's I, I think it's so interesting because uh, it, this whole... This whole week, I was I was kind of talking to him, and I don't know, man. Like over the course of the season, the the mental strength, the like strategy, the like level that he is thinking about is so insane. Like he was talking about how you know, in I think it was after qualifying, he um, was like, yeah, you know, I'm not really riding up to where I want to be. I was a little bit scared and I'm, I'm really, I really have to like try to find this process and, and really take myself out of my own head and kind of look at, look at what I'm doing uh, more objectively and kind of from a, you know, he kind of did this motion where he's like, yeah, like looking down at what I'm doing from like outside of my, outside of my body and uh, for him to, be able to say like, okay, I recognize that I'm scared and I recognize that I'm anxious and I need to do all of these things and have this process to like get myself over that. Uh, in addition to working on the bike and stuff like that. So that was just so like, yeah, the last, I think two or three races, it's just been crazy to see the way that he kind of overcomes these things. And probably one of the reasons why he can overcome all of these injuries. There was a stat actually that we pulled up for the live feed. The first win uh, between Aaron and Amory. So it was like the first win, uh, what age they were. So I think Amory was 22 and Aaron was 23. And how many times they've won after that. And in 25 races, it's been the exact same. And so the difference is like Aaron went on this rampage 
where he just wins season after season after season. And Emery, he's been injured, but like when he's been at the starting gate, he's had the exact same stats as Aaron did when he, he when he was on that, you know, insane run that he had. So it, it shows you how good he is. And thinking about that crash, it just seemed I don't know if something happened before the the drop, like Stevie Smith drop, but he came further inside than anyone. So maybe just got a little bit offline there. And then as he was trying to turn, there was a little, there was a like a rut at the top of the, um, of the berm. And I don't know if he, you know, just wasn't used to that line or, or what it was, but just kind of tried to turn a little bit early and then front end slid into the rut. And as soon as that happens, you kind of like reaching for it, puts your weight over the front and, and just kind of crash. So yeah, I don't know if it was like, you know, wasn't quite able to, to find that, that level that he was looking for or a lack of concentration or just pressure from the overall or just kind of like an unlucky thing. But he is now, I think 249 points ahead. And so <laughs> Rada Sole is, uh, there's no qualifying points for that last race. And so if, uh, you know, anything can happen, right? Like if you have a crash in qualifying or in practice or at or worlds, worlds. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finn could take it if he, Finn does have to win the race, but he, he could still take the overall. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. Watch this space. We'll see how that goes. I want to, I want to talk about Greg Minar, Nico, this guy, like, where does it keep coming from week in, week out? And it feels like he's peaking just in time to come back and get those stripes again. Yeah. Uh, watching him on track this weekend was super impressive when it was like a couple of the sections got some deeper ruts to him and some pretty rough holes and guys were trying to find a way around them or, or hit them and, the way that Greg was able to carry momentum through that stuff was super impressive. He's just like really good on track at carrying momentum everywhere. His, he's a really tall guy and he makes, I think the 20 full 29 er bike works really well in those situations, whether you're in ruts or rough sections, like the bike carries really well. And because he's so tall, he has the clearance that he can ride it and doesn't need the clearance advantage. So I think, he's really good at like knowing what works for him and not getting distracted by what other people are doing and using all that experience to his benefit. And, um, yeah, for me, it's just like such a momentum rider. Like he carries speed everywhere and he, uh, and, and then the mental side of being able to peak in the race run is, um, something that he's just so good at. And that's why he's been, been doing it so long. That's why yeah, he's the good. But then he did crash on the, the jump that he pioneered, the gap that he pioneered. That's not, not the, not the right place to go out. Hey, it was a really strange one. Yeah. W- what did he do there? Like, I mean, I just watched it on the TV, but, um, what yeah, happened? I think, um, when I was talking to him after he, he had that mistake in the rock garden and where he clipped out and he was like, you know, I didn't think I lost much time, but after that, I was like, I'm trying to, he was like, I, I need to gain time. Like I need to push harder and harder. So I think he, he came over that, uh, little roller before the, the leap and just took a little bit more speed over it than he had before. And, uh, which put him offline and didn't get a good backside. And he was like, I knew I didn't get a good backside, but I went for it anyway. And I think just one of those ones where you, you miss time your pop and it puts you off 
you know, out of shape or whatever, like dead sailor. And I thought he was maybe going to go down on the jump, uh, but it was like kind of a good save there and just, you know, went offline into the tree. So it was, I think he said he was like a little bit sore, but kind of got away with that one as, as good as you could. Yeah, not the place to crash, but he, he managed to find the pad. So yeah, didn't look great, but not, yeah, could have been a lot worse. I, I want to talk about Thibaut de Prella uh, and get your thoughts on that. Like last year, he seemed like a different rider. Like there was a lot more uh, aggression. You always kind of were watching, holding your breath. Like you knew it was going to be one of those runs that was do or die. And maybe there was a bit of that at the start of this season, but it seems to have kind of gone a bit. He seems more mellow on the bike and it's not quite translating into results. Still incredible. Like I think he was, was still like top 10. Yeah, he was ninth. But it's not quite the Thibaut de Prella that I kind of expect to see after last year's performance. Any thoughts? Have you have you had conversations with him, Elliot? Maybe that have alluded. Is he is he trying to find where that pace is that he can get results without getting hurt? Did the crash at the end of last year kind of set him back? What are your thoughts? I wonder. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten to talk to him too much. I kind of said the same thing on the live feed. Like, I wonder if he is saying like okay, there is a lot, there's a lot to learn in this space between chilling and winning a world cup. Uh, like we were talking about with Valley, like how do you, how do you ride really fast? How do you make it through a season? Um, how do you, are you able to like control that speed uh, and turn it on when you want to and stuff like that? I know I remember talking to him at Fort William and that result there like meant so much to him when he got that podium to, to be able to come back and, yeah, he was like teared up that, you know, Emery had kind of pulled him back up to speed. So he does seem like he's in good spirits. Like when I see him come down the track, he's he's smiling, he's happy. So yeah, I wonder. I would I would be interested too to kind of see where he's at there and have a conversation with him. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we see some more feisty behavior. No doubt he'll be willing to roll the dice in in uh Leger for worlds. A few a few riders that stood out. Um, it was awesome, I thought, to see Blenke in the top 10 again. It's been a while since we've seen him at that kind of position on the sheet. He's been racing a long time. Uh, he's father to two children. I think they've been travelling around with him this season. They bought a camper van and have been certainly working their way around Europe. Nico, it's cool, eh? Eighth place for Blenke, pulling on that knowledge of the track and it, that incredible riding ability. It's always beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, um, he, he's done well on this track a lot. Like I remember when he had been struggling a couple of years ago, he was able to come back and put a top 10 in at St. Anne. I think it's probably a track that, you know, he likes and, and one that he's been racing a long time. Maybe some of that experience comes into play, but, uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, the, the dude's such a nice guy, such a great bike rider. He's, um, is in a different stage of life, I guess. Like you see him like in the campground with his kids is, is a different thing. So, um, to see him come back and get a top 10, it's super cool. Like props to Blinky. He yeah, deserves it's, it. it's awesome. I wonder if we'll see more of that. It'd be nice to see him in the top 10 more often or trouble in the podium. Huh? Yeah, man, I will say he's a terrible flip cup player though. He really, uh, <laughs> he really let us down last night. Oh dear. Yeah. You mentioned before we hopped on that he'd let the side down. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get that out there because I was so disappointed. Well, I guess it was it was good. You can never lose playing flip cup, I guess. There you go. <laughs> and a couple of young riders that um, 
just improving all the time. Loris Rivelli on that Canyon Collective Pirelli team and Ethan Craig on GT Factory Racing. Uh, Nika, do you, do you know those guys? Well, have you seen much of them on track? I don't know them really well. Um, Ethan has been impressing me in, in all the really technical stuff this year. Like last weekend in the mud, he looked awesome. Um, bottom of Leo gang, sections like that. Um, yeah, he's he's really good at the more technical stuff. He's aggressive in um, mud and just difficult conditions. So really good result for him. Um, I don't know if he has even got to race here before because I'm, I'm not sure if he was junior Yeah, maybe for the COVID but, stuff, uh, yeah. Yeah, good good result for him. And then uh, Ravelli too, like he's come a long way. I remember just a couple of years ago, him being a privateer and like driving his van and not having really any support to like getting onto that, like doing something with Canyon and getting some coaching from Fab. And then um, now that they have a more official team, like kind of becoming more professional every year. And he he's another guy that's like really impressive on, on the right day. And it was awesome to see him put it together he looked like he was carrying really good speed this weekend whenever i saw him like riding the rock garden or some of the other sections super well so yeah it's cool to see when they can put it someone like that can who has the pieces can put it together and and get the result and uh another weekend that didn't go benoit coulange's way but i'm pretty sure that was save of the day that was a huge high speed incident and it was good to see him claim it and again get away from it in one piece. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see Benoit Coulange have a better run of luck over the next couple of races. Um, yeah, we've been talking about um, like a lot of the riders want the B zones to be clean and um, focus more on like making the sides of the track safe. And I think this is a good example of like that was really fortunate that the B zone was clean. If there was raw, if there was stuff in there, like it could have gone really bad. So I think we need to take note of that and, and try to make sure the sides of the track. Yeah, fair are safe. Comment. yeah. He had plenty of room to run off and uh, get away with that one. When you're traveling at that speed, that's definitely a, a good thing. Uh, let's chat about a few of the other riders that were up there and we'll move on to the, the top five, the podium spots, Bernard Kerr backing up that uh, result that he had, uh, last weekend in snowshoe and they say confidence breeds confidence but from everything i hear bernard is not someone that kind of suffers with low confidence but maybe it's that kind of belief <laughs> like he started to really believe that this is possible he's seen he can do it and again i think he one time training he's been fast all weekend just loving it hey elliot yeah for sure i was joking with him i was like oh you're like you're like that guy now that you're like, oh, it gets one podium and then he's on the podium now all the time or whatever. So yeah, I think he was, I think he was actually surprised because when I talked to him at Snowshoe, I think he was a bit surprised that, um, or sorry, when I talked to him at Snowshoe, he was like, yeah, I want to do well in Mount St. Anne, but like really want to do well at Leger and at uh, Val de Sole. So when he came here and one time training, uh, I think that that was, that was a big deal. And I think he, um, you know, he does well on, on these fitness tracks because he's, he's like one of the fittest guys. Uh, he rides his bike so much. And then this year with, uh, with his trainer, Jarrett, like, I think they've been working on kind of that high intensity stuff. I think a lot of bike riders in general have like a, a really good base, um, because they ride so much and, and, and all that stuff, but just like refining that. And I think this year 
he's been able to do that because he he does so much he just rides so much and you know you'll see him train and then go and ride pit bikes and whatever so i think being able to f- refine that was really good and he was saying because i had I'd kind of called out he'd been doing that gap in the um in the rocks and i was like called it out in the live feed and then he didn't get it and i thought maybe he had just like come in a little bit fast because I think that that outside did allow you to carry a little bit more speed. But he said he saw Benoit on the side and he didn't know if he was like crashed. He said he like looked over to him and it just broke his concentration. So yeah, just just like a, I guess, a mistake on his part. Just like kind of lost concentration just a little bit. Uh, saw Benoit on the side and, and uh, kind of messed him up for the rocks. But yeah, it's good to it's good to see him getting podium. That's like super special for me. Definitely, and I think he'll go well in Leger. It's a track that he definitely enjoys. So that's uh, good to see him coming on form at the right time. Another rider coming back to form. There's been a lot of uh, doubt over the last couple of years as to whether it'll ever happen, but it definitely has. We've seen it a couple of weeks in a row. Uh, Aaron Gwynn putting it where he would, uh, or a bit closer to where he'd hope to be. As you've said in the past, Nico is always very critical of his runs, but he'll be pretty happy with that. I would have thought. Yeah. I talked to him after the race for a while and it was a classic Aaron situation where it's like, so how was it, man? Cause I, I knew if I just told him good job, it was not going <laughs> to be the end of the conversation. And he was like, yeah, it was okay. I, uh, I felt like I got into a more intense pace. Like he said, the past couple of races, he was kind of cruising in his race run and, and having trouble, like, pushing harder and breaking that. And he said that in his race run yesterday, he was able to push harder than that and felt like he was having some urgency to go, but it was also offline a lot of the track. And he was like just on both sides of the main line the whole way down and a couple inches off, off of where he wanted to be. So I think he was kind of happy to take a step in the right direction and, and be just pushing harder, but also like messing up a a lot so um i know that that's gonna sting the margin to the fastest dudes like aaron's a guy who who always believes that if if somebody could go that fast then he could there has to be like a reason why he didn't go as fast as them and he's going to be thinking about what those things were that he can do to to bridge that gap so it's just cool that he's back in like the podium mindset and um, getting podiums, but still has more in the tank. So I would just love to see Aaron pull a, another world cup win and, and come back from some of the adversity that he's had over the past couple of years. And I think he's Definitely, on the right yeah, track. In that direction. It was quite interesting on the live feed actually to see him cross the finish line and then look at the, the timing board and look kind of puzzled, like, hang on a minute, how far off? Like, there was a few riders that were like, what? It was, yeah, we haven't seen that bigger gap uh, in that part of the, the running order for a while, hey? So that was good. But yeah, Troy Brosnan again, definitely back on pace. Someone that has said he wants to be uh, firing on all cylinders for, for world champs after missing the start of the season with that ankle injury. He seemed really straight with third, Elliot. Yeah, he did. I, um, I saw him after qualifying and, uh, you know, I, I'm always... I'm always kind of like trying to judge, you know, is a rider in the right mindset? Do they want to talk to me kind of thing? And I was like, Troy, do you want to say a few words? And he's like, yeah, I sure do. <laughs> and, and so he, he was just like, you could tell how excited he was for his qualifying run. 
to be kind of back up there and stuff like that. And then I think in finals again, to back that up, I heard him say in his interview on the, on the live feed, like, yeah, I, I didn't, I expected to kind of have an injury come back and a little bit of time, but just to kind of slot back in. And he's like, I didn't expect it to take this long. Uh, I, it was so much harder than I, than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, for him to, for him to do that. Cause I, you know, I asked him what means more, is it the result or is it that you're riding good again? And he was like, you know, I think the result is great, but just to be back going, um, to be back riding, like I know I can ride is, is super good. Definitely exciting rider always. So that was cool to see. Let's talk about Laurie Greenland. So he kind of, he had that crash in qualities, which put him a long way down the running order. And he set the bar very, very high pretty early on in the afternoon in the grand scheme of things and left a lot of riders puzzling as to what the hell he'd done. He talked on the live feed about saying he thought he'd ended up with a bike too fast and that he was getting kicked and bucked quite a lot and was sort of almost having to wind it down, he said, and just get the bike down the hill, which seems kind of incredible given that time. And it was a long time till anyone got anywhere near him. Any thoughts on that, Nico? Like, do you think that in some way having the bike that fast kind of helped him in some way, or is it just an incredible performance from a great rider? I think maybe both. I mean, obviously he's a great rider and, He's been so impressive on these longer, rough tracks this year, which again, for like a smaller guy, I thought maybe having more mass and more strength would be a benefit on this or Fort William, but he's so good on these on these two this year, um, which I don't think like suit his strength perfectly, but he's been crushing it. Um, as far as the bike, like I think with rebound, you almost, the faster you can ride it without losing control is going to be better, but if you if it gets into your mind that the bike is out of control then that might slow you down whether the bike's working better or not so yeah i guess really hard to say um he's the only he's the only one that would know it's tough with stuff like that because it's so subjective and it's to the person that was on the bike but nonetheless dude he crushed it and he made a lot of time in the bottom like when guys were even somewhat close in those last couple sectors the time would just jump um the the gap back so i don't know what he did down there but yeah he, and he was finding little it. gaps all over the shop like the riding looks incredible hey elliot yeah for sure i um it was it made the commentary actually really difficult because we uh at one point we were just like he's only four seconds back you know <laughs> like he's gonna be he's he's right there or whatever but i yeah i think it i think it was like nico was saying too i uh he he made up time like the whole way down um and i think it's always interesting when you see a rider put together a run like that that is good all the way down the track and it was funny that he said in his interview he's like yeah i was trying to keep it on the ground or whatever and the thing we were talking about in commentary was like man he is yeah like gapping everything he had this gap in the steep section that was incredible kind of just like hopping i think when laurie was riding like that. It's really nice. That run he had in Fort William this year. We saw that at Worlds a couple of years ago in Valasole. And uh, when I talked to him, he said that uh, he just was like really low on the energy. Uh, I think I think this week, but I think even kind of last week. 
And he said he woke up on race day and he's like, oh, no way. Like, I think, I think I'm back. Uh, so he, he said that he just like ate some sugar and was kind of just trying to keep, keep the energy up the whole, the whole week or sorry, the whole day. So I think, um, I think we're kind of seeing Laurie back on it after that run. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's right up there fighting for, for a world championship next, next, whatever, in two weeks. For sure. Yeah. Another, another rider that really loves that Leger track. All right. Let's talk about, uh, the man of the weekend. Finn Isles, it felt like from listening to him talk in the pre-show, he put quite a lot of pressure on himself, right? He wanted to emulate Stevie's victory here back in 2008, I think. He was, he knew he was on home soil. He knew he was capable, which I think is probably the first time he's felt that way. And that's a huge amount of pressure. And he said he was feeling it, but it doesn't look like that translated to how he rode throughout the week. Like, it seems like he just was straight into a real kind of flow headspace and just riding incredibly well and fast from the get-go. Nico, you've, I'm sure you've uh, seen him out on track. What was the what were the thoughts on Finn's riding throughout the week? Yeah, every section I saw him, he was the fastest. So he was he was crushing it all week, um, and man, he, he he did a great job of like taking that energy. Because on race day, there was so many people here. The crowd was was awesome. It was like the, the venue just was amazing. And there was all that energy was for Finn. Like even when we were at the finish and before he came on the, the broadcast, you could see that he went through the first split green and the place just exploded. So I think he was getting that the whole way down. Like almost... Everybody I talked to, I'd walked up on practice on race day and they were like, hey, Nico, who, do you, who, are, you, who are you rooting for today? And I was like, well, Finn's the fastest guy. So I think it's cool when the guy who's the fastest deserves it. And, and everyone wanted Finn to win. It was like, you can't really stand on the side of the track here in Canada and say you want somebody else than Finn to win. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was cool. And yeah, he looked awesome on track. I saw him on his last practice run, he stopped in one section and his, his, uh, coach and, um, the line coach were there. And he was saying like that the fork felt too stiff, but the shock felt really good. So they were obviously like trying to get that set up, shoot for what the condition mm-hmm. would be like in the race run and the pace that he wanted to ride to try to hit that. And, um, it was interesting that like right up until the last moment, they were still trying to get that right. And, I think they even tweaked it right there on the spot, like with one last section to go, it like made a change and rode for another 30 seconds to the finish and then raced it. So amazing. Yeah. And interesting. Uh, could have gone quite badly wrong. He, uh, he hit his chain ring in the Ladal section, I think, and, and subsequently lost the chain pedaling out of that part of the track. And there's still quite a lot left after that. Right, Elliot? Yeah, man. Yeah. I think <clears throat> like Nico was saying, the whole week, everyone was just rooting for him. Um, and I, when he when he was talking about that uh, section, he was he was like, "Yeah, I I knew that I had, had like hit my chain, but like I was just like, okay, that just means you have to go even faster. Like you have to, you know, do what you can to go down to the finish. Just like don't touch the brakes." And you know, I I kind of saw him come out of the woods and he looked down and I was like, oh, no way. Like, no way is he going to have something happen like when he's up 
by a little over a second or whatever. And he said he was coming into the finish line and it just felt like forever. He was just like tucking, looking at the time, being like, <laughs> like, no way. It's counting down. It's counting down. It's counting down. So that was, uh, I think it made it even more exciting, but it, this race, I think like Nico said, he, you could have that pressure and it be overwhelming or you can have that pressure and kind of lean into it. Um, I, I talked to him after qualifying and I didn't really know what to, um, what to make of like his expression. And he kind of looked up and he was just like, man, like everything is perfect. Like this is the best thing ever. I have my family here. I'm in Canada. Like everything is just amazing. So it's, it was so good to see him get a win here. Like he's, he was just like, this is the best day of my life for sure. Yeah. And an emotional outpour as that came, you know, it, not only his first win, which he's to be fair, has been waiting a little while for, right? He was talked up. Well, not even talked up, talked a lot about when he made that move into elite. Cause it did look like, you know, someone that would be taking wins pretty quickly. It's taken him a while to figure it out and understand how to put together a race run in the elite part of the field. Finally done it, but he's done it on home soil with that inspiration from Stevie. It's uh, It was clearly a special moment, her, and I think it got you a bit as well, right? Oh, man, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like to, to see the emotion on his face uh, after that, you know, to see and to see the emotion on like Laurent's face is um, his team manager, like signing him when he's 14 years old, like that culmination and seeing his parents. And like, it was just, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that he, I think he was able to kind of soak it in and really be in that moment, you know, and, and to see him do that like right away and, and to understand like what that meant was, was crazy. Like, I definitely got choked up when I when I was like hearing him talk after yeah. after that win. Incredible, incredible. Let's quickly uh, touch on the overalls. So Jackson's wrapped it up, I think. So that one's done. Junior men's, Phoebe and Gracie's battle continues to the last round. The women's is kind of wide open. We'll see if Cami manages to get through that surgery and get back. But Valley and Pom Pom obviously are there and uh, are a threat. And then Amory doesn't need to do too much at Valdesol, but he needs to be there and he needs to be healthy. Um, and there's Leger Wells in between now and then. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, excitement for world champs. I, I'm already like ridiculously excited. I wish it was next weekend. I can't wait to get there. But it feels like maybe the momentum started to shift, certainly in the men's field anyway, away from the French a little bit and towards some other nations. There's definitely some riders that, that we'd have expected to be up there that have got, you know, issues that are, that are nursing kind of injuries or sore bodies. And then there's some riders from, from other parts of the world that are really starting to fire on all cylinders. So I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. eh? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I think, like you said, that this point in the season with one round to go, a lot of the points have kind of sorted themselves out. There's not going to be a lot of huge changes in the, in the world cup overall, but two weeks from now is world champs and none of that matters. We're starting over with a blank slate and it's going to be really exciting to see Definitely. what people do. Right. Well, we can't uh, wrap this podcast up without uh, going for lit kit. And um, I was kind of torn this week. There was a few kits that I thought stood out for me. I really like Jackson's custom 
outfit and everything for the weekend. I thought that was cool. I thought the Union kit, um, really simple, but really kind of stood out on this track for some reason. But I think I'm going to come down on saying I really like Finn's kit. It was really clean and simple, that kind of mottled grey look, um, but just looked really cool. And then to see it, you see it on the top step as well, obviously finishes it off pretty nicely. Elliot, where, where's your money out on lit kit? Yeah, I was, I was with Finn. I don't know if it was because everything that he was doing was perfect, but yeah, that was, that was my pick. It helps when it's ridden down the hill that well, doesn't it? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Nico, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, all the specialized kits have looked really cool all season and it's cool to see the effort that they're putting into those and some of the thought behind it as well, taking inspiration from different things. Um, but I like Jackson's. I thought that it was cool to have that. There was a lot of, uh, I guess, heritage that went into that design. So, um, and a match with the bike and everything. So yeah, I thought it was really cool. For sure. Well, we'll wrap up there and, um, sign off from the podcast side of things but we'll hang on here and then if people have got questions for you guys then we can answer those so i'll say bye-bye for now for everyone listening to the podcast and then we'll we'll have some live questions thank you thanks all right that's it for this episode with elliot and nico i really hope you've enjoyed it a huge thank you to maxis for supporting this season Maxis have incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride. So head over to Maxxis.com or visit your local Maxxis dealer and check them out. I've been using the DHR Max Terra in the back and the Asagai Max Grip in their new XO Plus casing up front and it's a combo that has been working really well for me so why not check it out for yourself. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of our lovely print project Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 